From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. This episode of our Power Tech podcast is the third in the series highlighting our previously recorded webinar entitled Protection and Control Automation 2021 and Beyond. In the first and second episodes, our panelists discuss significant challenges that the electric utility industry faces over the next decade related to protection and control automation and where they believe the industry is related to the acceptance of cloud computing as a technology platform for protection and control automation. In this third episode, our panelists discuss the impact of IEC 61850 on the digitalization of the electric power grid as it relates to protection, automation, and control. Once again, I'd like to welcome back our panelists, Senior Staff Engineer with Entergy, Dr. Chan Wong, Principal with Eureka Power, Dr. Deepak Margal, Editor-in-Chief, PacWorld Magazine, Dr. Alex Apostolov, Professor, Inventor, and Author, Dr. Sakis Miliopoulos, Amazon Web Services, Energy Sector, Maggie Powell, the Anfield Group in Diligent Robotics, Chris Humphreys, and Director of Cyberical Cyber Engineering, Dr. Nathan Wallace, and our moderator, President of Empirical, Matthew Sachs. All right, question three. What is the impact of IEC 61850 on the digitization of the electric power grid and its protection, automation, and control? Chan? Well, uh, when Alex said the first question, uh, I can talk about it for like two hours on this one, but definitely there are a lot of uh, impact and benefits that the IEC 6150 can make uh, in this area. So off the bat that, you know, uh, when SpaceX launched the Dragon capsule up to the, uh, you know, the space station, and then what's fascinating to me was the dashboard, okay? So it's just simple touchscreen, no knobs, no nothing. And after that, they did a comparison about like the shutter, space shutter uh, dashboard versus the Dragon dashboard. You see a knob, you see buttons, you see everything like that. Immediately when I see that scene, I reminds me about like um, substations where you see a lot of, like, you know, knobs that push button, handle and all the stuff, uh, copper wire and so on. And then we do have a lab here and, you know, in Entergy that we do uh, piloting the 1650 where now you can consolidate everything into simple fiber uh, optic uh, cable, and then everything can be displayed in, in the touchscreen. So that itself reminds me about, you know, you know see how far that space shuttle go from there to another dragon. I see that this is how 1650 can help us to bring us to the next level of substation control, where things are all centralized in a touchscreen, you know, maybe on an iPad. Uh, we have done this pilot in the lab before, you know, everything into centralized into one screen. You have all your massive database into one screen. So the impact I see that coming from, I think some of us are in New Orleans, we love our hurricane. We know we've been flooded as well. And we went through, you know, Katrina for sure. So let's talk a bit about that impact, about uh, weather resiliency, okay? So how fast can we restore a substation? With copper wire, you know, we're looking for data, looking for, you know, this I.O. to that I.O. Whereas now I can plug in my fiber optic cable and bump, 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 and then do the auto run, auto config, 
most of, it's not as simple as this, but you got the point. It's more simplicity than like looking for multiple copper wires. So that that faster recovery for the, you know, some recovery. The other thing is also, uh, we need to talk a bit about remotely looking into testing, remote testing. So speak of it right now, I'm actually in my lab right now in the smart meter lab. So our uh, test engineer are doing remote testing where, you know, machine is here and then they were able to remote test their stuff at home talk about substation so let's say that you know some rural areas are being flooded okay or maybe snowstorm so it's dangerous to go to you know during those situations to go to assess the damages uh do training do test stuff right now with 1650 now you can do like remote testing all right so you can comfortably do it at your house or in your office and go check on the situation what's going on and you may immediately also be able to diagnose what are the problems. So when you send your crew over there, they have high chances knowing that what are the parts that need to bring in there to fix the problem. Rather than, oh, let me go and assess what happened first, make the first trip, and oh, I need this component, I need this component, it's not in my truck. Then I have to go back and go back again to do a second round of uh, assessment or fixes, right? So that itself is kind of a waste of time and also not effective. So I think in terms of that, I do see that, you know, the 6850 does do that. Of course, the interoperable, I think a uh, couple of panels here is talk a bit about like microgrid, EV, and so on, connected community that we're, we're talking about these days. So how does all this system interoperable with each other? So having a standard like 6850, you can kind of like make sure that, hey, certain systems, certain uh, control system can talk between each other. Then you can connect to each other and exchange the data. We can do the cloud computing stuff and all come down to one centralized database rather than doing, you know, we know that, you know, you're mapping from one protocol to the other protocol and map and map and map and map. So sometimes when you change certain things, things get lost and where then human errors happen and then the rest is history, right? So I'll leave it as this for a couple of the benefits. I'm sure the rest of the panel also will share other stuff as well. But this is what I think, you know, like I said, I just want to leave with like, Imagine, like, you know, go look up the comparison between the Dragon dashboard and the Space Shuttle dress dashboard, like, which is 10, 15 years ago, and you see the difference. And it's fascinating to see. And I hope that we'll get there one day where you go to the substation that you just have a screen and a couple of boxes in this. Nice analogy. Uh, Deepak, what do you think? Yeah, uh, you know, um, IEC 6150 is the digital technology. And, uh, you know, in order to understand its impact, uh, I'd like to just briefly explain what is 6150. IEC 6150 is not just one, uh, you know, one part or one standard or, or one adoption and so forth. It is a collection of multiple different existing technologies and the practices, the best uh, cases, use cases, whether it's the Ethernet technology, whether it's a MMS with TCP IP, whether it's a security uh, or, uh, you know, with the, the best, what was adapted in uh, DNP3 technology for, for decades. All of that has evolved to the next gen, the 1650, which really makes uh, uh, significant improvements from the standpoint of how we implement, design, and configure and maintain essentially all aspects of uh, utility industry. And that means that this newer technology is not only just one uh, vendor or when, when, you know, specific vendor specific, but also multi-vendor that there's quite a few number of tools anywhere in the world you go with the, you know, nomenclature, with the implementation design, 
you speak the same language. We don't have French, German, Spanish, Chinese, or Indian, or whatsoever. So we have just one language that everyone understands. This is how exactly, and this is this language is the most high performance and best in just about whether it comes to communication, whether it comes to security, whether it comes to modeling, whether it's to engineering, you name it. I mean, the reason I'm I'm saying this is, you know, I'm not ex over exaggerating. <clears throat> the IEC 1650, uh, the, and as you can see, or you can read from the internet, there is really a collaboration from <clears throat> a lot of subject matter experts from all over the world very actively. Every industry, even, you know, they could be competing uh, every day next to you know manufacturers. However, when it comes to the standard, they share and develop. And okay, here's what the best we need to do. And this harmony of of uh, harmonization of all of these uh, brainstorming sessions is leading to this next gen technology. And again, I don't want to exactly more, but definitely there. This is the future moving forward uh, as we see for uh, technology for utilities. All right, Alex, 61850. How much time do we have? <laughs> we have just five minutes left. I think that's a rhetorical question. No, we, we're good. We got about 38 or so. Oh, okay. I good. shouldn't have told you that, should I? No, no, no. But uh, no, it's really, we just had five minutes. I had to cut it very short. But now I can say a few more words. To me, we have been working on IC61850 for 25 years. So it's quarter of a century. And the reason that we did it is because we realized that the way we were protecting and controlling the grid was not in line with the development of our world. So actually, we started 61850 as a substation communication environment. But once people realized actually the benefits of the technology, it moved towards a grid technology. So this is the foundation for the digitization of the grid. So for example, when we talk about big data and data analytics and artificial intelligence and cloud technology, this is all made possible because of IC61850, because it allows us to take any interface in the power system and digitize it and bring it to a local device, bring it to a substation central computer, or bring it to a regional or system level cloud server. So this is to me, one of the most significant benefits of 61850. The other is the fact that in 61850, everything has a standard name. So regardless of who is the implementer of the standard, when I have the current in phase A, it will come from anybody's device with the same name and data format, which allows actually the development of applications that can use the data coming from any source that is using the standard. And also, the other benefit is that when we started developing the standard, one of the basic requirements 
was to make it future-proof, meaning that regardless of the change in the technology, we should still be able to run it. So, for example, Nathan was talking about the grid edge and all these applications that run based on what we have in our homes. Well, we just released last year 61850-8-2, which is mapping of the abstract services to XMPP. That is more or less what we are using for many of the web-based applications that we are using in our everyday life. So this is how actually we are adapting the standard to be used for any application anywhere related to the electric power grid. And I, I can keep talking about that, but I should give some time to everybody else. Appreciate that. All right, Sakis. Yeah, that's a, uh, Alex has done a lot of work. I think Alex has, uh, uh, from all the group here, he's done a lot more on the IC6150 than anybody else on, um, on the panel, I guess. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm going to echo uh, what Deepak said, that uh, uh, if we look at the uh, why we have 61850, is basically uh, to develop a common language uh, that everybody talks, in this case, computers and uh, cyber assets and so on. And this idea is not new. It goes back to uh, 1887, when, uh, if, you, if you know, Zamenhof developed the, uh, the language for everybody to speak uh, uh, the same language as so on, and uh, um, therefore is a is a uh, is a uh, old idea. Now, uh, the other thing that is important on 6150 is to realize the following thing that uh, it is to promote uh, uh, automation to the point that we move into autonomy. That is. Um, uh, we have a complicated system that is geographically dispersed. We have protection and control at the, in the field, the relays, uh, uh, merging units, and so on. And then uh, the data from there, they propagate into the network, and uh, they go to the control house, they go to, to the cloud to be for computations and so on. Uh, so how we can do a system in such a way that uh, we enter the, the basic data in the relays where uh, uh, at the lower level, uh, either the models and so on, and then everything propagates and uh, uh, is built uh, automatically in an autonomous way. Because what's happening today, if I go to the control uh, center, I have to set up the state estimator, I have to put the model there, and so on. So that means human errors and so on. So the 6150 solves this problem if we follow it. On the other hand, it's not been fully implemented uh, yet and so on. Yeah. Uh, so that's one uh, one way. The other issue is that uh, when I was a student uh, a few decades ago, uh, uh, we had a, a guest lecturer, and he said uh, that software will always be behind hardware. And at that time, I was young and innocent. I did not realize what he was talking about. The reality is that we need to have a system that builds software automatically, and 6150 is also an idea that can do that, uh, that uh, can generate all of this. Um, so today, uh, 6150 is the technology, basically, that autonomously will uh, uh, transmit data 
from the low level, from the merge units relays and so on, all the way to the control uh, house so that we don't have to have any use, any human interface, uh, not, uh, not human interface, uh, human intervention to deal with the models and so on, so that we can eliminate the uh, human errors throughout. Okay? Now, we're far away from that. Alex is going to tell you that. So we have not uh, achieved that, but the potential is there. That's what uh, it is. Uh, so why, why this system is important for protection and control? Okay? We have today uh, uh, a basic problem in power systems, and that is uh, under the umbrella of reliability. So we have a lot of uh, protection systems that uh, uh, they have uh, quite high failure rates. So statistically, in the industry, we have 10% uh, failures of protection and control uh, systems, misoperations, and so on. And this kind of uh, uh, technology can alleviate this because it has the capability to um, uh, monitor and do self-checking of its own devices of the protection and control systems. So if something happens, uh, something goes wrong in the protection and control system, it's going to identify it and uh, will report it through the uh, cyber assets. But more important uh, is that uh, it, uh, the 6150, if fully implemented, can provide a capability of, um, uh, of uh, uh, self-healing. Uh, self in other words, if something happens, let's say, uh, we have uh, in the substation, there is a short in a, a current transformer sensor that uh, picks up data from the, uh, from a, for current, the voltage, and so on. Uh, these systems have the capability uh, uh, because we have a lot of redundancy in measurements and so on uh, to uh, substitute this data from uh, other measurements. Okay? This can be done in a systematic way through uh, tracking of the system and uh, building the model of the system. Uh, uh, dynamic state estimation is involved there and so on. Uh, so it can substitute any uh, faulted data in the system so that the system can continuously operate normally, even if in the, in the presence of, the, uh, of a fault. And of course, uh, we have the capability to identify where the fault occurs and send the technician to fix it uh, and go back uh, to normal, but at the same time, the system is going to uh, keep operating reliably forever. So these are the um, uh, the advantages and how uh, uh, IC61850 can ad advance the uh, reliability of the protection and control systems. Very good, uh, Maggie. Your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can offer anything further to that. Uh, beyond the great observations and insights that have already been shared, um, you know, suffice to say like, that the it's for it's really uh, valuable in furthering um, to accelerate that innovation, um, which is an important characteristic because it, it's that innovation is enabling industry to turn to develop solutions more focused on on sol problem solving um, because of because of the innovation of um, 61850. So. I can cede um, some time back to Alex because I know that he gives a wealth of information about this. <laughs> All right, Chris. So again, I'm not gonna sit here and act like, you know, I know everything in and out of 61850, but I can say, I know I have enough familiarity with it that at the end of the day, you guys, this is the perfect example of 
looking at your controls model holistically. Like, you know, there's some new things that this is asking, but at the same time, there's direct correlation and crossover to the NERC-COM standards, to some of the SIP stuff, to like, you know, and Deepak mentioned NIST. I mean, I'm sorry, everything as far as I'm concerned is a derivative of NIST anyway, and it's the varying appetites of people who are familiar with that to me. Can they spell NIST? Okay, that's the first one. And then there's people that, you know, they're probably have mental problems like me that enjoy reading all those guides, you know? Um, so there's opposite ends of the spectrum and you've got to kind of meet in the middle. But the point I'm trying to make is this standard is no different than, it might ask some different things here and there and introduce some new components, but it can't doesn't mean it can't be merged with controls and processes that you're already executing. So I, I just encourage people when they look at new regulations and new things like this, don't reinvent the wheel. First, see where we can consolidate your processes and controls and your risk model around what's already there. Um, because most of the time, it's 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 catching up to there, catching up to NIST or or whatever industry standard technologically or, or technically we've got that's being put out. And I'm sorry if you do, you know, the SANS top 20 critical controls or the CIS top 20, you're going to be 10 years ahead of any regulatory model, at least from what I'm seeing in utilities right now. So that would be my only word of encouragement from how to approach this IEC 61850 is first look at what you've got in-house and what you're already doing and where those interdependencies lie. And that way you're not making more work. It's, it's a more manageable quality over quantity set of controls, if you will, and gets that silo elimination happening as well culturally where you've got those processes interlinked that's that's what i can contribute there nice all right nathan yeah um i will give a quick uh plug to her Falk. if since we are on the 61850 topic i recommend this book uh and when i started my adventure of trying to understand 61850 uh, and, and, you know, try to understand it at the, the level uh, that Alex understands it. <laughs> and and this, this book is, is getting me closer every, every day I pick it up. Um, there, there are a number of benefits to, to 61850 from what I'm seeing, you know, all, just to, once again, you know, echo everyone else. But one thing that I didn't hear mentioned from the standpoint of cost with regards to construction, right, and maintenance, so whenever you, you're, you're building a digital substation as compared to a traditional uh, substation, right? Traditional substation uh, relay protection, you have multiple, multiple cables, multiple runs to the equipment in the yard, back to the relay, let's say, CT, PT, breaker, breaker control, uh, primary backup, uh, for your, your trip coils, right? You, you, all these massive cable, massive, massive cable runs back and forth. And the digitization that uh, the opportunity that 6150 offers and, and has been seen, all these pilots and actual production implementations of 61850 with the digital substation, the need for the, all this copper cable goes away, right? Because you have the merging unit fiber between your equipment in the yard uh, to your actual, uh, you know, protection uh, microprocessor relays in your station, in your control house, um, you know, just a couple of fiber cables, right? So you, you talk about, you know, the cost savings of copper and material costs. Uh, also, the uh, size of your station can go down now, 
right? So your footprint is smaller. Uh, there's there's also the, the just overall the benefit, uh, the, the like I said, the cost construction benefits. Um, it does shift it though. It shifts it as far as the personnel who are commissioning and building these systems to uh, folks like you know, Chan, Alex, and others. Uh, but then one, one other aspect or benefit of this, there, there's a lot of fear too in, in the industry as far as like, you know, EMP and directed energy type of things, uh, solar solar flares, let's say, well, you know, these these copper wires, they, they're, they're not electrically isolated, right? So when surges happen, you know, uh, there's, there's these, these copper wires can act as antennas that pick up this, this kind of electromagnetic interference. Well, now with a digital substation, you're just sending pulses of light, right? So you can electrically separate your pieces of equipment. So this goes back to, you know, so, so, balancing, right, that, that risk and reward, cost benefit, holistic view, uh, kind of analysis that we mentioned earlier, but 6150, great, and and it, it is. It, there's a lot packed in there. So so Alex, I definitely commend you and others. You know that that have been at the forefront of this for for a number of years now. Uh, Deepak as well, Chan. You know, uh, going going back to the work there uh, that you've been able to do. Uh, it, it's it's really impressive seeing all of it. Alex, you want to comment on that? Yeah, actually, just a, a couple more things. For example, one issue that uh, many people don't think about is the issue of safety. Uh, Nathan was talking about replacing the copper wiring with, with uh, cables, optical cables. So there is no more chance for an open city circuit that can kill somebody. And sometimes I tell people that say, oh, our management would never agree to this. I said, can you go and show your CEO a picture of him behind bars? Because in the past, if you get an open city circuit and somebody gets hurt, there is a defense. This is the technology that we have. But now there is a safer technology that is available. And if you don't switch to it, you're in big trouble. The, the, the other issue is the benefit in bringing a substation to service. For example, at the Park World Conference, we had a paper from a consulting company talking about six substations in North Dakota related to the fracking industry. And I was very surprised to see 61850 going in North Dakota. So I asked them, why did you go this way? And they said, because we couldn't find people to wire it. So we have to use communications instead of wiring. And the savings from shifting from hardwired to communications-based is absolutely amazing. And also, you don't need, now we're hear, hearing more and more about centralized protection. And I've already seen examples where people are talking about eliminating the control house. So you have a cubicle with fiber interfaces. You bring this cubicle, you put it on the foundation, bring the optical cables, and everything else is in the yard. So there are so many benefits. And I really encourage you 
to look at the Backworld magazine. We have close to 100 articles talking about 6850 digital substations, non-conventional sensors, and all the benefits that this brings to the industry. And I hope that one of the future issues, maybe not this year, but next year, will be dedicated to cloud technology. Today, you heard from leading subject matter professionals regarding the digitalization of the electric power grid as it relates to protection, automation, and control. Be on the lookout for our next PowerTech podcast as we continue to bring technology to the power industry. Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you've subscribed to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Empirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there. Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.